Well, it is sure nice to have the choir back singing with us. And singing with us, uh, of course, on Easter Sunday, but also on Thursday, during the Monday Thursday service that'll take place here in the sanctuary. And I, I just can't wait to celebrate, as we are today, to celebrate Holy Week with you all to, uh, in person for the first time in, Steve, three years? Unbelievable. So we're going to be here all this week and want you to uh, feel invited and, and welcome to come and join us and to ask friends to come and join us as well. Um, I just wanted to say one other thing, though, about the Monday Thursday event that we're hosting here at the church, especially the dinner. Bob right here today? No, no but Judy is here, his wife. And Bob is uh, in charge of the deacons along with Suzanne Latham and their uh, crew is putting together a wonderful meal that's going to happen at 6.30. And they chose items this year that will be reflective of a Passover Seder, which is what the Jewish people were celebrating that, that Holy Week 2,000 years ago when Christ gathered with his disciples in the upper room. They were gathering on what we call Monday Thursday to celebrate the Passover. And so we'll have lamb and cooked spinach to symbolize bitter herbs and applesauce to symbolize mortar, which in uh, a Seder is charoset, and spiced grape salad to symbolize the fruit of the vine and unleavened bread, and red wine, of course, to celebrate Holy Communion. And Bob wrote this line, and I must stress this, to keep it simple, there will not be dessert. So I'm sorry if somebody was expecting dessert. I guess for the Jews, when they left Egypt, they didn't wait for dessert at first time, but they just wanted to get on the road. Anyway, with that being said, please come and join us and sign up today either here at church or online. The scripture lesson today is one of the four gospel lessons about what happened that first Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. So listen now for God's word to all of you today. Matthew 21. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this. The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. And this took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, and the crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Loving God, we pray that you will grant us the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the 
hearts and minds to understand as best we can your word and your world this day and our place in it. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, as I said, here we are. It's our first Palm Sunday in person at Piedmont Community Church in three years. That is just unbelievable to me, and it's truly awesome to be here with you and to enter into Holy Week with you all and so many other people. And in a couple of months, we hope we'll have our first Piedmont 4th of July parade in three years, too. That's going to be terrific, too. And wouldn't it be nice this year if Piedmont Community Church could have a presence in that parade? That we could maybe have a float or something like that and be, participate this year. I've got to tell you, if you're interested in taking part in making that happen, let me know and we'll do it, okay? We'll do it this year. And you know, at our um, Board of Trustees meeting uh, last Monday night, our uh, treasurer who's on the board, Kathy Kelleher, reminded us that this church was instrumental in getting that first Piedmont Fourth of July parade started back in 1967. Of course, it was turbulent time back in those days, especially here in the East Bay. And Kathy's dad, Dick Johnson, had the idea that there had to be some way to get together, to have people get together in community and to celebrate the, the ties that bind us together as a nation on Independence Day. So he and some friends, they sort of went to various neighborhoods and all over town, and they, they asked people in their neighborhoods if they would get crews together and if each neighborhood would be represented somehow in the parade. So some people put together floats and other people did other things, and it turns out there were more people participating in the parade than actually watching the parade. But that's what happened, and he came to Piedmont Church before he went to the neighborhoods, and he asked this congregation to take responsibility for parade setup and cleanup, and we did it. You think we have hard times now, Pat? Talk about that. <laughs> Amazing. So we did. Now, we're not asking us the, the church to do that this year, of course, but we do want to participate. It's a great tradition, that parade. And today we are celebrating another tradition involving a parade. This one goes back a bit further than 1967. <laughs> goes back 2,000 years to what we call the triumphal procession of Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. But you know, as biblical scholars remind us, that probably wasn't the only parade going on that day. I mean, just remember the context for all of the things that happened during what we now call Holy Week. The Jewish people, as I said, were preparing to celebrate the Passover. And it was a huge event, drawing pilgrims, Jewish pilgrims, and, and just curious onlookers to Jerusalem for all over the known world to the Jewish people. They wanted to be in Jerusalem on one of the holiest days of the year. As you know, Passover itself commemorates the story that the Jewish people sort of, their whole sense of identity in a lot of ways was bound in the story of 
how God had liberated them from slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt, and then had guided them safely through all sorts of turmoil in the wilderness for 40 years to the promised land. So it was a time to remember the oppression that their ancestors had suffered and how God had delivered them. But guess what? 2,000 years ago, on that original Palm Sunday, the Jewish people were again under domination and oppression, this time under the Roman Empire. And the Romans, who, if anything, the Romans were really pretty savvy when it came to controlling the various peoples that they had conquered, and they knew very well what Passover represented to the Jewish people. And they would do anything in their power, which was massive, to make sure things didn't get out of hand in Jerusalem, and that the Jews themselves didn't get any big ideas about being liberated from Caesar. Now, you probably remember who the governor of Judea was at the time. Anybody want to say his name? Pontius Pilate. He was the governor, the Roman governor of Judea at the time. And he didn't live in Jerusalem. That's not where the Romans kept their administrative capital. It was located on the Mediterranean coast in a city called Caesarea Maritima. So, at more or less the same time that Jesus and his followers were processing in Jerusalem, Pilate was marching in on the other side of the city, on the west side of the city. Jesus was on the east, Pilate on the west, coming through the largest gate, most ornate gate of the city, the western gate. He rode a majestic stallion with a large contingent of soldiers waving banners and carrying weapons all arrayed behind him. And no one, no one in that large crowd could have missed the point that their celebration of Passover as Jews was only possible because Rome allowed it to happen. In other words, the empire was unmistakably present in force to keep the peace and to display its power. And then meanwhile, on the other side of town, there was that other parade, the one we celebrate today, what we call the triumphal procession. And the contrast couldn't be more clear, right? Now, it's interesting that in all four Gospels, the story is told a bit differently. For example, um, it's only in the Gospel of John that we hear anything at all about palm branches. And it's only in that same Gospel of John that we even have a clue that it might have been on a Sunday. Could have been on a Monday. We don't know. In Luke and Mark, Jesus comes into town with only his disciples, the people who had already been with him. While in Matthew and John, the crowd's bigger, although it's nowhere near as big as Pilate's parade. But one thing that three out of the four Gospels have in common is this, that Jesus rides into town on an animal. In Mark and in Luke, the animal is clearly a colt, that is, a young donkey. But in Matthew, I don't know if you caught this, it gets kind of weird. 
Because in Matthew, you heard Jesus tells two of his disciples to go off into the village ahead of you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And then it says, they brought the donkey and the colt and they put their cloaks on them and Jesus sat on them. Now, we know that Jesus was quite a miracle worker. But can you imagine him riding on both a donkey and a colt? That'd be some incredible feat of donkey dressage, if you ask me. Of course, there's lots of speculation as to why Matthew seems to mess up the details a little bit here. But what it probably boils down to is that he mistranslated a passage from the Old Testament book of Zechariah, which we have quoted. He even quotes it where the Messiah is said to ride into Jerusalem on just one donkey, a colt. That's how Mark and Luke tell the story, but, you know, poor Matthew seems like he could have used a refresher course in biblical Hebrew or something like that. Anyway, at this point, the stories converge. Some in the crowd gathered around Jesus. They spread their cloaks on the ground along with the branches to prepare the way of the Lord. And they greet him with shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. But at the same time, a whole lot of curious people start asking around, who is this? Who is this guy? What's all the fuss about this, this, this minor prophet, Jesus, from some podunk little place called Nazareth in Galilee. What's the big deal? So two parades happened that day. Pilate rode an imposing war horse, decked out in armor, with banners flying and troops marching. The Pax Romana, the Roman peace and power, was in full force, on total display for everybody to see. And there, then there was Jesus, the one that we call the Prince of Peace. He was riding on a little donkey, wearing no protective gear at all. His followers hailed him with palm branches or branches instead of flags, and they shouted Hosanna, which in Hebrew means save us. Save us now. It's an imperative. And that contrast between the kingdom of Caesar and the kingdom or the realm of God, that paves the way for everything else that's going to happen the rest of Holy Week. And the question we face today as people who call ourselves Christians is which parade are we going to join? Which parade? Because we know it is not going to be easy to follow the one that we call Christ, the Messiah. You see, if we go with him, we're going to have to join him in that upper room where he says a disciple's going to betray him. And we'll be in that same room when he tells us to love one another, no matter how unlovable we might be. We'll have to watch as he breaks bread and pours out the wine from the, into the cup to symbolize 
how his own body is going to be broken and his blood is going to be shed. And then we'll have to go to the garden with him. And like his first disciples, we're going to try to have to have to try to sit and pray with him just a little while without falling asleep. We'll watch as he's arrested and led away. And if we march in the parade of Christ, we're going to go with him all the way to a trial where the cries of Hosanna are drowned out by shouts of crucify him. And then we'll keep on following him all the way to the cross. We'll be in the crowd who came together just a few days before to watch his triumphal procession. And now they look on in disgust, curiosity, as he walks that lonesome, painful road. And if you and I stay with Jesus through the rest of this week, we may realize how just like his trusty sidekick, Peter, you and I can deny him too and turn away when the road gets rocky. So which parade are you going to join? The one that leads to safety and security backed up by force? Or the one that leads to suffering and surrender? with nothing to hold on to but trust that God's saving power is realized not in might, but in the vulnerability of love. And that brings me back to that strange little scene where Jesus asks those two disciples to go off ahead into the next village and to get a colt. He says, go into the village ahead of you. That is, Go forward to the place where you've never been before, to the place I haven't taken you yet, to the place that's still up the road a piece. Just go, and there will be a donkey and a colt there. And if anyone says anything, just tell them the Lord needs them. And we know those two disciples did what they were told. They followed what Jesus told them to do. But you have to believe they grumbled a bit, too. I mean, these guys were from Galilee, after all, a long way away from Judea. They had probably never been to Jerusalem before in their lives. We don't know. So they had no idea what dangers lay ahead of them on the path. And maybe they said to Jesus, do we have to? Actually, we saw a perfectly good rideable donkey just a couple miles back in the village we were just in. Or they could have said, hey, Jesus, if you really want a donkey from the village up there, why don't you go lead us? You seem to know the way, and we'll just tag along. I mean, we'd all get that hesitant kind of talk, wouldn't we? That would make total sense on the road to who knows where and what's going to happen in Jerusalem. So we get where the disciples might be coming from, mainly because most of us have kind of been there before ourselves. Just think about the last couple years. It's been so hard to navigate this rocky road we've been on, with COVID, the insanity surrounding the election, 
and now Ukraine and so many other things as individuals, as a, as a community, as a world. We've been facing some really winding roads, paths in life. And even if we'd rather have a map or a guide to lead us the way, there's still a lot of unknown up ahead. But you see, sometimes that's just where Jesus sends us. Or as the author Marianne McKinnon Dana puts it, it takes irrepressible faith to walk down a road your feet have never walked before. It takes intrepid faith to look back over your shoulder and see Jesus smiling and saying, yes, go on. I'll be right here when you get back. And that's where we are today, this first day of Holy Week. The road ahead is pretty unclear. I know it is for me in lots of ways, and I'm sure it is for you, and certainly for our congregation. All the things we're doing as we seek to move forward on the path God has for us, a lot of uncertainty, but here we are. Here we are together. We're not alone, and it's going to take some Palm Sunday faith to keep going, maybe even to go on ahead of Jesus Since we know, we know 2,000 years later, all the pain and the tears and the blood that's going to be shed in the week ahead for Jesus, his disciples didn't know that. We do. Because the truth is, faith itself is a risk. And nowhere is it riskier than we face this hard, amazing truth that the execution of an innocent man is somehow going to bear the seeds of salvation. This morning, I invite all of us to take that risk together, and let's do it knowing that there is nowhere on this earth that Jesus can send us that is unfamiliar territory to him. Maybe unfamiliar to us, but there is no dimension of human experience that Jesus himself does not share because that brothers and sisters is who he is he is God's presence with in and through us human beings especially those who say we follow him so let's trust that promise of Easter that promise that Christ goes with us behind us ahead of us beside us above us below us through us, wherever we go. And let's take our place in the parade of the Messiah with our voices and our lives proclaiming Hosanna. Save us in Jesus' name. Amen.